Welcome to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping you, the real estate investor, advance to the next level. And now let's join this week's hosts and share ways for you to customize your life. Hey, Right Club Nation, it's Alfonso Salemi here. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you checked out The Rock yet? What is it, do you ask? Well, it's the Right Club online community, a place where you can go to find your real estate investing and business answers and network with like-minded people. We have interactive forums. All the podcast episodes are there. Hours of videos with a wide range of real estate investing, training, and education, and so much more. It's free to join, so be sure to come grow with us at therightclub.com. Now, let's get to the podcast. Hey, Right Club Nation, it's Sarah Larvey here, and welcome to this podcast episode. Recently, we had a special national webinar event related to the numerous federal budget announcements about real estate and brought together a number of experts to offer their thoughts on what this can mean to you. In this episode, I had the opportunity to speak to Brian Hogman from Mission 35 Mortgages, about what we need to know from a financing and mortgage standpoints. And I'm sure you're gonna find that these insights were helpful to your real estate investing business and how to move forward as well. Be sure to listen to the other special episodes that are coming out each Tuesday in May. And now here is Brian. Brian, Brian Hodgman from Mission 35 Mortgages, also a sponsor uh, and longtime supporter of our club. Brian began his career as a commission-based mortgage agent, built a massive real estate portfolio and opened Mission 35 Mortgages, becoming one of the top mortgage brokers in its first three years of existence. And it currently has 11 locations, 11 locations across Southern Ontario. Wow, you are growing fast. Uh, you are also the author of How to Get Mortgage Free Really Effing Fast. There's like a, you know, I, I won't say the word, but I guess that's in your title uh, to show other people that becoming mortgage free many years earlier than what typical Canadians think is possible. It's not just a pipe dream. It can be reality. Welcome, Brian. Hey, thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me, you know, uh, and congratulations on the five years. That is absolutely amazing. It's so great to, uh, to be a part of this community with you guys and see people you know, be a part of people getting their first rental property, second rental property, and you guys are really making a difference. So to you, Alfonso, Laurel, Daniel, uh, kudos to you guys on five years. That's awesome. Good job. Amazing. So I guess we're going to do a bit of a Q&A. So I know there's uh, there's some questions that our Right Club Nation have been uh, really wanting to to learn and know more about. So we'll uh, we'll have a few questions. You can give us, uh, you know, your, your best insights. Um, financing. Sure obviously is uh, you know, there's lots of changes happening. There's lots of talks, there's lots of, you know, increases and, and talks of increases. Um, but in general, what do we need to look out for? Well, the sky's not falling, but rates are going up. Okay. So I think, uh, you know, we've all seen the fixed rates versus variable rates. Fixed rates have gone up steadily over the past, well, really six months. Now we've just started to see the variable rates go up too. And, you know, I always I like to put things into perspective. You know, when you go back to 2018, 19, um, five-year money was at around 4%, you know, just under 4%. So now you see five-year money at 4% right now. And the bankers, when I talk to my uh, really nerdy banker friends like myself, 
normal interest rates, they do want to see them around the five. So I wouldn't be shocked to see the bank rate getting up to over the next six months, uh, four and a half to 5% on the fixed side. So just be aware. I think that's going to happen. The banks were operating at really small spreads. You know, I'm, I don't want to cry the blues for the banks. They did okay, right? But they normally operate at bigger spreads. And by raising the rates, they're going to be able to do that. Um, and then I think, you know, we have the variable rate. The Bank of Canada made the half a point increase a couple, well, last week, seems like forever ago, but last week. And then they don't meet again until June, right? So I think, you know, brace yourself because I think uh, the inflation numbers for those of you who saw just came out today and they're at a 31-year high. It was a 6.7% for inflation from March. Uh, and that was higher than what people expected. So um, I think, you know, in inflation, I always equate it to like a fast-moving train. You know, we up the rates by half a point, try to slam on the brakes to slow down inflation. Uh, that's why they raised the rate. So I wouldn't be surprised um, if we see in June another quarter to half a point rise on that variable rate, it wouldn't shock me, right? I think it's really going to come down to what is that inflationary number that comes out next month, right? When it comes out in April. So if that number is high, expect a half a point increase again. Uh, if it's coming down, the one cool thing that I did notice in the articles the economists are saying right now is it's the first time they've said our inflation might have peaked. No one said that before. So by them saying it might have peaked, that's actually a really good sign to say, well, maybe we're on the down end. And, and I always look at it like this. Like I look at, I love car racing games. Okay. So I've, I've got a point here. Okay. But like inflation and the government of Canada, when they end up using rates to go up and down, I think about it like that car game. You know, in a car game and you go left. And then you got to like, oh, you went too far left. So now you got to go right again. And you're trying to straighten out the car. Well, I think what the government in Canada, they're, they're a lot smarter than me playing a car game. But the idea is, is that when they raise rates, we always forget because we get kind of nearsighted and we think rates are going up, rates are going up, rates are going up. Well, if the rates go up another half point in June and we have maybe, you know, other changes that happen. And then that actually slows down the economy, has the intended consequence, and actually they went too far. And if spending slows down and stops and they actually get borderline recession, what's the tool to stop a recession? You decrease rates, right? So I wouldn't be surprised that if we see a quarter or a half in June, that, you know what, I'd be, I would be surprised to see a quarter or a half in June and then continue along that trajectory in the fall just the way things are looking right now, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a quarter and a half over the next two months and then possibly a level out. You might even see a drop in the fall again too when it comes down to interest rates. So I think, you know, when you're looking at your numbers as savvy investors, right? Like what we do with all our clients is build in that surplus, you know, run your numbers on the cash flow based on the variable, going up a quarter, going up a half, going up another quarter, do a cash flow analysis on yourself. And if you're really losing sleep, you know, build in a buffer zone, right? Build in that buffer zone as if it's going to go up, right? And, you know, a really quick and dirty way to do it, 25 bucks per 100,000 on a half point increase. Because mm -hmm. the half point that just went up in April, a lot of you won't actually see it or feel it until May. Because typically, if you have a variable rate mortgage, it won't come into effect until the next month. So just keep that in mind. But, you know, and I don't lock in. And I, I'm just going on on that because we see so many people 
asking right now based on the uncertainty if we should lock into a fixed rate. And please, God, no. We're going to take a quick break from the show. Are you a real estate investor or entrepreneur looking to get out there and network with some awesome people? Then the Have Your Cake and Eat It Too is a retreat you won't want to miss. Treat yourself to a three-day retreat, focus on your health, wealth, and time for yourself on the site of the new luxury Inspire Beach Resort. This retreat will include live bands, great speakers, yummy food, delicious drinks, fun activities, and lots of time for networking. For more information and to get your ticket, visit www.sarahlarby.com. And now back to the show. Okay. The reason why I say that is because I think that's important. And for me, I'm not doing, I'm, I'm staying variable. And I think the Delta is, is quite high that it doesn't make sense. And, and you take away from the uh, control that you have to be able to refinance, but like, but why, why are you saying that? Like not to lock in? Yeah, I think it's for two reasons. I think you're totally right, Sarah, and that is because you're right. The Delta doesn't make sense. You're, you're locking in at almost 1.5% increase. And I, I geeked out and I like to know, so numbers, right? If you had a $500,000 mortgage and you went up a half a point on a variable, your rate went up about 192 bucks, give or take, right? Or no, sorry, 133 bucks. If you lock in, you're locking in your payment by 350 bucks higher. And, and you know what, why lock in that, that sleep insurance or risk insurance? Like just for peace of mind, it's not worth it. And as real estate investors, we can't be emotional about these things. Okay. So we need to end up doing that. So that's why I say don't lock in. The second thing that we often forget, a variable rate gives you the most flexibility. With most variable rates, you get a three month interest penalty. If life changes, if it makes sense to sell the property, refinance it, break that term. If you go and lock into a fix because you're concerned, you, you don't lose the flexibility, but you're going to pay a significantly higher penalty again. So for both those reasons right now, ride out the storm. You know what? You're going to see your payments go out. Do the math. Reach out to my te our team. We can give you the numbers if you want, but just don't lock in yet because I don't think the rates have to go up quite a bit more to reach that fixed rate. And I don't think you're going to be seeing it. How, how many more increases like of like 0.25 would that be to reach the fixed rate of what it is today? Oh, Sarah, you're making me do math now. I'm not a math guy. Okay. But no, you'd probably be looking at like, so you'd be looking at one and a half. So that is two, four, it's 10. It'd have to go up 10 times, 10 quarter point increases. Right. And that's interesting, right? Cause like, and I don't think they're going to go up 10 different times. I think they're probably going to go up another, maybe four or five, who, who knows, right? The other thing I was going to ask you is, you know, as they're making these increases, we're starting to see the market, you know, slowly, you know, people are, are saying, am I going to stay on the sidelines? I mean, obviously not, not experienced investors, but like maybe some newer home buyers or whatnot. What is this doing to maybe the, the newer home buyers, qualification is that changing anything on their end and are, are they kind of now being able to buy less than they they used to be able to buy you know a month ago yeah that's a great point actually so and it's an interesting thing for for those of you looking to buy homes right now there's a big dichotomy that's happened with stress tests now you can actually get approved more with a bank if you're a first-time home buyer or even an investor you can get approved more on a variable rate now than you can on a fixed because on a variable rate right now, you have to qualify at the stress test of five and a quarter. But because the five-year money on a fixed is, let's say, 4%, you have to qualify at a rate of six. So 
Right now, depending on the product, and this isn't the intention of the stress test because it's actually driving more people to a variable rate, which is not supposed to be the intended uh, consequence of a stress test. But what's ended up happening is people choose a variable to get approved for more. But what is happening because these rates are going up, and I think what you will see in the coming weeks or months is uh, an addition addendum to the stress test where they'll universally make it either five and three quarters or 6%. And to your point, Sarah, that's going to reduce qualification, right? Because if the stress test goes up because rates have gone up, that's bringing the price point that people can approve for down because their incomes are not going up at the same rate that the interest rate is. So I think what you're going to see is first time home buyers right now, unfortunately, uh, some of them are going to be approved for less. Mm, yeah. Um, and just another question that, you know, as, as you're talking and you're talking about these rate increases, um, just from your experience, like how long does it take the market to actually shift? So, you know, for example, you know, is it, is it three months and then they're going to see like every three months are they what's happening in the market and then, um, you know, and, and go from there? Is it a six month lag? Like what, what are we looking at? You know, that's a great question, right? And there's lots of different indicators. And, you know, the one I look at is basically housing, right? We get a lot of leading indicators at the brokerage because we see purchase agreements come in, right? One leading indicator that I see right now of a change in market is that we're actually seeing more and more every single day conditional offers, right? Whereas we were in a market before where that was just completely unheard of. If you needed a property, cash, no conditions, that's how you bought it. Right now, we'll get one or two conditional offers a day in. Right now, so what that means, that's a leading indicator that there's not as much competition anymore or everybody's just pricing things out of the market. So now for that to flush through, I would say that's anywhere from 30 on the light side to 90 days. The other indicator, indicator that we look at too is we're very, very close with our appraisers, right? And appraisers right now are calling us and saying, hey, if you end up having any uh, you know, uh, refinance, like on the Burr programs where we're trying to refinance out the money for the renovation, Try to get the renovations done sooner than later, just because some lenders will only take appraisals for 60 days, some will take 90, 120 of the comparables, they'll only go so far back. So for certain lenders, let's say if they'll only use an appraisal for two months, that means that any comparable sales that happened in February are done as the end of, as of, the end of April. So then in May, they have to start using March comparables. So it's not like we've seen you know, the market hasn't gone down, but these are some of those leading indicators when appraisers start to tell us that, and we start to see conditional offers coming back. It looks to be almost like a more, there's less people in the market right now. And you know what, for investors, you know, as Warren Buffett always says, I love that guy, you know, be greedy when people are fearful. And because there's that uncertainty right now, I think it's probably a great opportunity for real estate investors as well. We're going to take a quick break from the show. Hey, Right Club Nation. I just wanted to take a quick moment here. It is Sarah Larby and I'm here with Laurel Simmons and we have some really exciting news for you. And we heard you, we heard your emails and we are going to be bringing you Right Club Nation online, coast to coast, accessible at any time of day. And you can be in your pajamas like I am right now and you can access our great contents and what is going to be that content, Laurel? Well, we have videos, recordings of live events that we've held. We have webinars. We have, we'll have our podcast information up there. We'll have 
of forums and chat groups and all kinds of things. You'll even be able to find services and products that you need in your neighborhood, local for you, because we know how important it is that you have your local team with you. We're going to be rolling things out very quickly. And as we start, you'll see more and more stuff come along and we really want you to join and become part of our online community. Absolutely. This is the first, and in my opinion, it was going to be the best Canadian online community of real estate investors and like-minded individuals. So guys, come and grow with us, join our online community, register and come and say hi and check out the amazing things. Yeah. And all you have to do is go to therightclub.com and you'll find us there. It's easy to register. It's free and hop on. We can't wait to see you there. Guys, come and grow with us. And now back to the show. Yeah, 100%. I mean, literally, there's less than, you know, today, we actually got something with a condition, you know, which is very surprising. <laughs> we, it used to have to be no conditions. And so for, for us, it's actually, uh, I, I think, you know, as long as the numbers work, um, you know, and, and, uh, and the strategy works. And I think there's going to be some strategies that might be riskier in, in these uncertain times. And there's some strategies that will be a little bit less risky. So you might want to consider that and, and, and have a conversation with, you know, your mortgage broker, like, like Brian, uh, for example, uh, any, any last final words of advice, uh, or anything else that you want to add about any changes or anything that we should be uh, aware of, or, uh, that might be coming down the pipes. Yeah, I would say, you know what, like uh, one thing that we always end up talking about, I think every time I talk to uh, the Bright Club, I always end up saying refinance now. I almost say it sound like a broken record, but it's just being in this industry for so long. Um, we're not we're not in a market right now where the government's looking to make rules and regulations easier for investors. They just aren't right. If they change rules, that's not great. But if they don't, um, they'll change rules for first time home buyers to make it easier for them, not for our demographic, right? So I've never had someone say, oh, I wish I didn't refinance, right? Because any property investor who's been in this for five or 10 years, you know, I wish I bought more property when I could buy an investment property with 10% down. I wish I bought more property when I could amortize it over 40 years, right? We may be going into a time because, you know, with the federal budget, their focus is on getting Canadians into homes, not getting investors more money, right? So there may be some restrictions there. So I would say refinance now, take out the money that you can and not just refinance your rental, but your primary residence. We're getting a lot of our past clients calling us now to say, hey, listen, you know what? I might be in a little bit of a negative cash flow position as rates go up because some people bought at pretty tight spreads when it came down to cash flow. So why don't I refinance my primary residence just in case, you know, the rates go up a little bit more, put it over a 30 year amortization again. So now I have a bit of a buffer zone. I can still opt to prepay more if I have mortgage on my house, but I have the option to pay more. I don't have to pay more. So I think refinancing that out, putting it over 30 years again is a great strategy right now. And then I think also just, I know you guys talk about this a lot. It's just making sure that have a look at your properties and make sure that they meet your goals. Like make sure that your properties that you've had still meet your goals, right? Like I have a property right now that I've had for 10 years. It doesn't make sense to refinance it because they'll be underwater because I didn't do my rental increases. Don't do what I didn't do there. That was really bad on me. But 
it doesn't make sense. I would be over $1,500 negative cash flow to refinance it. So now I've got to sell that property and then I'll reinvest it to get it to work for me better. And I think just be married to your strategy and your spouse, of course, but don't be married to the property, right? Be okay to let something go if it makes sense to reinvest it. And uh, I think that's about it. And make sure you just talk to your mortgage broker about your numbers. Amazing. Thank you so much, Brian. We'll put your contact information there so that uh, the Right Club Nation can reach out and contact you. But I 100% agree. You know, even if you don't need it today, you might as well refinance if you've got some equity and you still have your T4 income or you have the ability to easily refinance. Because again, you know, you can't always refinance once you leave your job or or different circumstances happen. Um, But if you have equity and you can, even if you don't need it, at least it's there for the future. So thank you so much, Brian. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast, where the focus is on helping all levels of real estate investors advance to the next level and help you customize your life. Be sure to tune in next week at rightclub.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you get a few seconds, please rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps the show get noticed by others like you. And we truly appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe.